Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today we have a very special guest. His name is Dennis Welch. And after reading some of Dennis's work, George Gallup Jr. had this salient advice for him. Whatever you do, Dennis, be a writer. During his tenure as vice president and publicity director at Cave Henrik's Communications, Dennis did just that promoting author's work and writing and editing many blogs and guest columns for Forbes.com, CNBC, Change This, and others. He worked on several bestsellers and established tremendous relationships both with publishers and the media. So whatever you do, be a writer. And he became a senior writer at Gallup Organization. And Gallup's chief marketing officer called him one of the top writers in the country. He has written a memoir called Rich People Shop Here. And he has a book uh, about the power of words titled, So What Are You Saying? Recently, he is currently president and CEO of Articulate, a company specializing in PR and communications, and he is excited about helping people with important ideas and helping them communicate. Welcome, Dennis. Thank you for having me, Dr. Leica. I appreciate you uh, reaching out to me. Thank you. The business of words is one of the most important businesses there is, but I think you and I would probably agree that communication is still difficult for people in this day and age. I, I would say uh, in some ways, uh, probably more difficult, you know, because the demands for on us to respond to people are so um, uh, stringent. You, you know, people send you an email and they expect you to respond in two minutes or they think you're ignoring them. Right. And so, I don't know about you, but when I sit down to write anything, if I write it in two minutes, I'm, it's probably not very good. And, you know, and it's it's and so so you have that issue. And then in my job where I'm reaching out to the media, you know, the, the media is getting, a, you know, people I reach out to, let's say at at, um, at CNBC, for example, you know, they're getting a thousand pitches a day from people like me. And so. You know, if it, there's not hooks in it that cause them to start a conversation with me, I, I'm just I'm not going to get anywhere. And I and I just think it's much more difficult now. You know, we're I mean, we're all interrupted by, you know, these these phones that we're carrying around. And, you know, and so I think the idea of I mean, you think about what Mark Twain did, you know, he was able to sit in a room with a little lamp and write for hours and hours with undisturbed, you know, that's those days are over. And so it's a different kind of challenge. I think in some ways it's easier to communicate. And in some ways it's so much more difficult to. Well, this box we have here, this zoom box and things like this literally lowers the barriers to communication, but it poses a whole nother set of communication variables because 
we're not editing anything we're saying. It's all in the raw. And right. in, the, in the raw, things are never proper. No, that's exactly right. And it's, and you know, and, and it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, I've learned, uh, to self edit. You know, I, I do, uh, there's a, there's a story about Abraham Lincoln that, you know, when he got aggravated with somebody, he would write these big letters and then he would fold them up and put them in a drawer. And many times he never even sent them, you know, and, but the idea was, let me look at this tomorrow when I've calmed down and let me see if I still feel, uh, this way about this guy, you know, and so, uh, and so just think about that. So a lot, a lot of what I do to edit myself is, is the holding pattern. If I'm able to wait, you know, if somebody sends me something, I get excited about my work. I love my work. And so I get excited about responding. Well, that's awesome. But, you know, so, but I have, to, I, I have reins that I pull back and to hold up for a little bit and maybe, maybe wait till tomorrow and reread this note again and see if it hits me differently. Um, and that I think keeps me from not always. Let me say this. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've been in the communications business a long time and I still make mistakes, obviously, you know, but, but if, if I do that, my chances of making that big bonehead mistake where you send something to somebody, you think, Oh Lord, how am I going to get this back? Kind of thing. Uh, and that happens every day in companies and, you know, across yeah. the land. So. Yeah, well, you know, there's no such thing as good writing. There's only good rewriting. And, right, that's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, you might think it's the best thing since Shakespeare wrote it, but really, uh, it, it probably is not. And when you let your brain digest it a bit, it always comes out better. Well, and it's, it's the reason editors are so important, you know, really good editors. And let me be clear, everybody shouldn't be your editor. But when you find that person who is has the Vulcan mind meld with you and understands what you're trying to say and helps you tighten that up. When I was with the Gallup organization, when I first became a uh, they asked me, I was there at a time when the company was going from being a, a very well known but not very profitable polling company because polling was becoming a commodity. You know, they people didn't really care, uh, you know, whose name was on the data. They just wanted the data. So. So, you know, some smart guys at Gallup got together in a room and said, wait a minute, you know, we've been doing this for 70 years. Uh, maybe there are some books we can write and help other people with what we've learned. And so that's where StrengthsFinder 2.0 and Now Discover Your Strengths and First Break All the Rules, all that stuff came. Well, the company went from a $20 million company to probably a $300 million company in about five years. Well, I got there right when that was starting, which is a great time. So they needed people to do everything, quite honestly. And so they came to me and said, would you be interested in trying to be a senior staff writer and fly around the country and meet our executives that we help and stuff? And of course, the answer was yes to that. And so here's an example. So they told me when I went to do the first one, uh, I took you know, I took tape recorders. I was nervous. I was like, I hope I don't miss anything here, right? And so uh, they said, okay, when you get done with all this, we need an 1800 word article. Okay. Well, I wrote the article. It was twice that it was 3,600 words. It was double. Okay. And so I sent it to the editor, uh, Jeff Brewer, who edits, who was editing all the Gallup books. And this guy is just a genius. 
And when I sent it to him, when it came back to me, it was completely covered in red. And I thought, oh, no, you know, I'm not going to get to do any more of these, right? But what this guy had done is he had trimmed away, like he didn't change much of what I wrote, but he trimmed away the parts that weren't necessary. And those 1,800 words that were left sounded like a great song. And that was a super learning experience for me. It's like, okay, sometimes it's what you don't have to say. Only leave in the parts that matter. So, you know, he became my editor. And, you know, there's a great story about Amy Tan. You know, after all these big books she had, she had a few that weren't quite so good. And she knew they weren't. And so when she had her next big book, one of the media people said, so what happened to you? And she said, oh, you didn't know my editor died. And so, you know, so I, I everybody basically saying, look, I, I, I certainly can afford to hire editors, but I can't afford to hire that editor. And so, you know, the blessing in life, Dr. Laika, is to find that one person who gets you and says, you know what, I, I know what you're trying to say and I, I can help you say it. It's a fantastic thing. Oh, for sure. I've had several editors in my life. When I was a medical doctor, I wrote 17 books. And oh, my goodness. In this vernacular, I've written three best selling books. But, you know, editors, there's a lot of editors out there. There's mm-hmm. a lot. Yes, there are. But some of them are like the old teacher, Marm, that they just circle everything, cross everything out, and they don't right. want your words. They want their words in it. You know, right. And, exactly. and that's, that's wrong. You know, they, a good editor makes your words fly. A bad yes. editors just destroys it. Absolutely. And, and that's a, uh, and, and that's why, you know, I think the, it, it's sort of like dating, you know, uh, I, I dated quite a bit and then I met my wife of 41 years now. I met her on a blind date. So I was a complete surprise, right? And I think that sometimes that's how it happens, you know, but you have to be willing to say, hey, this is not working. You know, you're not you're not you're not operating in my best interest anymore. Let me keep looking and dating and let me see if I can find that person that it will operate in my best interest. And so and they're out there. That's the good news. There are people who will understand what you're doing. You know this because you found, probably found them. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. It's But it takes, as I say, trying it on and trying to find yes. the right one. And, yep. and, and you just got to try. If you don't try, you'll never be successful. That's exactly right. That's It takes effort. Like everything in life that matters at all, mm-hmm. uh, it, you know, work, it, takes, it takes some elbow grease to get it to happen. Yeah. Now, you also have ventured into another field, which is writing a song. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So I, I you know, I, I was, I grew up in a family where uh, my older brothers uh, sang and my oldest brother played the guitar some and sang, but it wasn't a musical. It wasn't exactly the Von Trapps. Okay. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, uh, I loved music on the radio, uh, you know, and all that, but I never thought about being a, a musician or a songwriter. And one night I was driving home from a date, I guess I was about 16, maybe. And I wrote an entire, my radio was off and I, and I heard a song and I, and I, I sang it. I didn't play an instrument. So when I got home, I just wrote it down and tried to remember it you know, tomorrow. And so I went into my, my little place I was working and there was my manager always kept his guitar under the desk. And so 
uh, I, I hummed the song and then I sang a little of it sort of in the air, hoping he would notice. And finally he did. And he said, what is that that you're singing? I said, well, it's a song I wrote driving home last night. And so he said, well, let me get my guitar and play it for you. And let's see what we have here. And that was it. You know, when he did that, you know, he said, wow, this is a lovely song. You should do the more of this. You should go get a cheap guitar and learn some chords and all this stuff. And so that was 50, about almost 50 years ago. And, um, and I've written probably 500 songs since then, um, you know, recorded albums occasionally. And, uh, and then occasionally my songs are recorded by other people, which is my goal. Really. I don't really have any aspirations as an artist. Uh, I would like to think that other people would find these songs. And so, um, it's such a blessing. And, you know, sometimes people ask me, Dr. Laika, they say, what does songwriting have to do with what you do every day? I said, well, think about what songwriters do. They have three minutes. They, uh, ha- they can't waste a single word. Uh, they have to put hooks in there to make you care and make you do something, buy a record, come to a show, whatever it is. And that's exactly what I'm doing for my clients every day is I'm going out in, in the shortest possible amount of space making somebody get into a conversation with us about what you're doing. And, uh, and so it really, I think one sharpens the other, quite honestly. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Tell me about your most recent song. Why not me? So why not me was uh, I, I, I've decided to learn to play the piano in my old age. And, uh, and so I, I learned to chord uh, some, I mean, I'm certainly not going to be, a concert pianist, you know what I mean? But I, but I could learn enough to hear some different sounds that I needed to hear. And so, uh, so I wrote Why Not Me probably a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's a, it's an inspirational song that says, that says, look, you know, especially in a time we're in right now, you know, we went through these two years where people were really uh, under it basically and, and downtrodden about, you know, they've lost their business or whatever. And so this song I think was very timely. And so, um, I produced a demo of it and I sent it out to four or five Nashville producers. And one of them called me and said, Hey, Dennis, uh, you know, I don't, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe in God. And he said a minute into this song, I felt like God had sent it to me. And he said, look, I've been around Nashville long enough to know what happens to this kind of song. A lot of famous people will sing this song before it's over with. I'm not one of them. But he said, but I am doing my own record and I would love to be the first person to record this. I promise you I'll take good care of it. And so he uh, did record it. He put it out uh, last year and it was it was, um, you know, played all over the country a thousand times a week. It got into the top five uh, on some charts and uh, even in the top two on some charts. Um, And then this year uh, it is being. uh, looks like it's going to become the theme song for one of the big autism uh, groups. Uh, they're adopting it as a theme song that says, you know, why not me? Why can't I? You know, that kind of thing. So it's a it's a great fit. So it's wonderful. And the money from that is actually going to go to help adults with autism uh, get job training. So that's like a hit song for me. I'm, I couldn't be happier about it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can hear this in the background as we're talking right now. Can you hear the words of it and the melody and the feeling of it and how beautiful it is? Thank I, you. 
Dennis sent me this today and I said, oh, I, I got to play this on air because this is truly a, a remarkable little piece of work. And, and you know, I'm not a country and western fan, but this is something that I thought was needed some airtime on my show. Well, thank you, Doctor. I, as songwriters don't appreciate anything more than somebody playing their song on their show. <laughs> It's always an interesting go to to have a, a rare piece of of entertainment come on my show. Other than the the, the standard fare, this was a, a rare treat outside of what we were talking about. Well, I appreciate you playing it, and it, it's been a blessing. You know, it's uh, uh, it started a little. It broke open the dam for me because they're they're now I wound up doing a whole album uh, that came out last September. Uh, and it made the first Grammy ballot. It was on the first Grammy ballot in five categories. And so, wow. uh, you know, uh, and it a lot made, of people are... It made it over in England as well, I understand. Yes, sir, it did. It, play, it was played quite a bit in England. Uh, and uh, Tony Mantor's version certainly was. That's the guy who's, who recorded it. Um, and then... Uh, and then, you know, it's, uh, I don't think it's done yet. I think that there's somebody else out there who's going to sing it too. And I, when that happens, that'll be awesome. But Tony's kept his word. He's done a great job. Now, yeah. Dennis, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. Yes, sir. Dennis, how do you as a person live a fantastic life? The, there's a really long answer, but let me give you a shorter version of it. You know, a few years ago, uh, the daughter of a great friend of mine was in the University of Texas film school. And she said, Uncle Dennis, I'm doing a, a, a documentary. My team and I are doing a documentary. I want you to be in it. You know, would you come down to the University of Texas film school and just come be in the documentary? I said, you know what, Corey, it's a rhetorical question because it's you and I know you. I'll come do it not even knowing what you're talking about. So I went down there, my wife and I went down there and we go into their studios and they do all the makeup and turn the lights up and everything. And this girl stands in front of me, 22 year old, fresh face kid with all of these fresh face kids behind her. And she says, okay, Dennis, she goes, you're 60, whatever I was, 63, let's say at the time. She said, when you were 23, like us, how did you know you would be here? And I said, you know what, Corey, that's a great question. I said, first of all, I didn't know that I'd be here because I didn't know there was a here here. I said, but you know what? I said, I did know what being here felt like. And as much as I was able to throughout my life, uh, I avoided things that did not feel like being here. And I said, and you know what? There were many places along the way where I was stopped and it felt like failure. Uh, you know, but what I found now that I've gone through those things, I look back and I think, you know what, that that place that I was stopped allowed me to look in my periphery at something great that I would have missed. That was the next thing for me. And so, you know, and so here I am now, a man in my six, mid 60s, I'm 66 years old now. And uh, and I feel like, Dr. Like, I'm in the prime of my life. You know, I, I, there's a there's a statistic, a Gallup statistic. Uh, they've been asking the same question for 30 years in their Q12. And the question, really, it's a statement. It's at work. I get to do what I do best every day. And for 30 years, the numbers have never changed. By the way, this is a self-reported question. So the numbers are probably worse than this. But only one person in five, by their own admission, answers yes to that question. 
I get to do what I do best every day. You know what I would say? I just met you, but I'm going to say you would say yes to this. And I certainly would say yes to this. You know, I, I am so joyful about what I do every day. I have a great family. I have grandchildren. I have this amazing life. I have great health. But you know what? I, I'm a guy who wishes I didn't have to sleep at night so that I could get up in the morning and start doing this stuff again tomorrow. And that, that kind of joy, uh, you know, people, we talked about this before we got on the interview. You know, there are people in my circle who are, who are beginning to retire now. And they want to know, you know, so what do you, when do you think you might, you know, hang it up or whatever you say? And, and the answer is, uh, when I stop breathing, you know, unless I can't physically do this, I never want to stop doing it. And so I know that that's rare. Uh, but you know what? But here's, here's what I told one of my neighbors. He's 45 and he came over one day and he hugged me out of the blue, scared me to death. I said, what are you doing? He said, well, I've been reading about you on Facebook and what's going on with all your music and your company and all this stuff. And he goes, can I tell you something? I'm 45 years old and my nightmare is that I'll be 65 years old like you are and I won't be doing any work that matters. And I said, well, Mike, I said, let me tell you something. I said, unless you proactively decide today that you want to be doing work that matters at 65, I said, the momentum of the world will push you out to pasture. And I said, you have to do it on purpose. And so, and you know what? I said, here's the bad news. I said, for me to be doing this, I said, I've had to leave the main road of safety that appeared to be safe, maybe just the illusion of safety. I've had to cut my way through the forest. I've had to pave my own road. And for a guy who is a control freak like I am, if we play golf, I have to drive the cart. I said, here's the really bad part is that I don't know where this road is going. I don't. I said, but you know what? I know that I'm supposed to be on it. And I said, think about how many people out there who go to work every day and they do not know that there's this this kind of life is even available. Right. Because they won't take any risks. I mean, look, you were a doctor, Dr. Laika, for so many years. And now look at what you're doing. What a pivot to make. Yeah, hundred hundred and eighty degree pivot. But, you know, yes. I, I would have done it all over again. I heart. know. I see that. It's just, it's just total joy that yes. what I'm doing right now. Right. Total joy. Yeah. And what, yeah. what do you say? Well, Dennis, you won't believe it, but our time has flown by. Oh, come on. Really? <laughs> you know, that's how fast this thing goes sometimes. Yeah. So the important thing is this, Dennis. I want people to find out more a little bit about your world. Maybe uh, do you have a website or do you have a books that you want people to get into? Please share them now. So, so probably the best thing would be to come to, there's a couple of places. So music, uh, is Welch, W-L-C-H dash words dot com. That's a dash, not a slash or forward things and all that. Welch dash words dot com. And then on the book side, uh, and the book, the work I do every day is, uh, is www.bearticulate. It's a command, B-E articulate, bearticulate dot com. And it'll tell you uh, how to get in touch with me. And uh, and if they're interested in books or music or whatever, I just just reach out to me. My email is on there uh, and I'm happy to hear from from people about all of this stuff because it's like you. It brings me a lot of joy. Dennis, I can't tell you how much of a pleasure it was to have you on my show today. 
A real joy to be with you, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much, and God bless. You too. Bless you. Take care. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for sharing with us today and being here. Uh, My syndicated radio show has now grown to 3 million listeners a week. And it's because people like you appreciate what I've done for it. So please stop by my social media. If you like this, make sure you comment on it. And also, please uh, get to my website, Dr. Alan Leica, and check out some of the other things I offer. Love to chat with you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day.